0: Our scripture lesson this morning comes from the book of Genesis, and we are in the very familiar story in the Garden of Eden. The Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to till it and keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man, You may eat freely of every tree of the garden, but of the tree of knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat of it, you shall die. Now the serpent was more crafty than any other wild animal that the Lord had God had made. The serpent said to the woman, Did God say, You shall not eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden. But God said, The word of the Lord. Let us pray. Holy and gracious God, as we enter this season of Lent, we walk a path through the brokenness of our world and of our lives. Help us to understand where we have gone wrong, and where we are enslaved and how we can be whole and free. And may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. So, a Sermon on Sin. Whoopee. I no longer remember my scores, but I remember sitting in a room with my number two pencils ready, waiting for the man with the stopwatch to tell us it was time to begin. We sat for several hours taking our SATs, trying to define words such as nader and le jour du We studied hard. We bought then the books that were as big as phone books, and we studied and studied to practice our math skills and learn our vocabulary. I hear that they are changing the SATs so that the vocabulary is actually more useful, which is wonderful. But there is a vocabulary that we did not learn, or at least not learn very well. A vocabulary that has fallen out of usage. The vocabulary of our faith. We know the words, and we speak of sin and salvation, righteousness and repentance, and we have learned that sin is doing bad things and that salvation is going to heaven and that righteousness has to do with self righteousness and repentance is saying that we're sorry but we also know that these definitions are incomplete that sin is more than just doing wrong and salvation cannot be limited to what happens after we die or that righteousness is about relationships and repentance is certainly more than feeling sorry. So Lent is our traditional time for preparing for Easter. And in ancient days, we prepared for Easter not only by considering our faults, our sin, but also by learning. And so today, our first vocabulary word, sin. And we all know that it started in the Garden of Eden. When the serpent tempted Eve, and Eve tempted Adam, and they tasted the forbidden fruit. And it must have had something to do with sex, because they were ashamed at being naked. And this was the original sin that has tainted every generation since. Ultimately, this is why Jesus had to die on the cross to pay for our sins so that we could be forgiven and go to heaven. (laughs) But maybe there's more. Maybe it's different. Maybe that paradigm doesn't cut it anymore. Even if we don't believe in this story exactly, we know it, and it has informed our understanding of what sin is and how sin can be overcome. It's worth our time to look at the story more closely. Sin is never mentioned in the story. The word isn't there. And the concept of original sin was brought in by St. Augustine in the 4th century. And the idea of sin as crime and punishment worked very well again in the fourth century when Constantine made Christianity the religion of the empire. So, what happened in the garden? What originated in the garden was life. We are not sinners first and foremost. We are creatures of God, made very good. God cared and cares for the human beings in the garden. God makes food, God makes animal companions. God gives the first human beings each other in intimacy and joy. Adam and Eve knew the delights of sex before the apple ever entered the picture. Read the parts we left out. And the garden was not perfect. The serpent introduced the idea that God could lie. You won't die. And you won't have to depend on God to tell you what is right and what is wrong. God had given human beings the freedom to choose and given a tree in the Garden of Eden of which one must not eat Where did they go first? To that tree. And we have to ask, if God did not want them to eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, then why did God put it there? And why did God ever make the serpent? But there it is. And so they eat. Eve always gets a bad rap. Eve's the one who discusses the matter with the serpent. She's the one who knows God's word and even makes it more stringent. You shall not touch it. She's the one who wrestles with the question and finally desires the wisdom. And what does Adam do? Does he say anything? Does he challenge his wife? No. He eats it. And true to the serpent's word, they do not fall down dead on the ground. But something does die. And that is the innocence of humanity's relationship with God. The love as of a parent for a child. God had provided for them and protected for them. God had given them everything. But they gave that up to be on their own. And the knowledge they gained was the knowledge of their vulnerability. They knew how vulnerable and naked they were. They had chosen to give up on God to decide for them. Now they had to decide for themselves what was good for them and what was bad. And in came shame and fear and hiding from God and blaming. She started it. No, he started it. No, the serpent started it. And then there is covering up and trying to hide. What was wonderful is broken. And a cascade of broken relationships all the way to Cain's killing Abel. It's not a perfect story. But it seeks to describe our experience of reality, that life is not the way it's supposed to be. Our relationships are broken with creation and with God and with animals. We poison rivers and elephants are hunted for their ivory. And in much of the world, women and girls remain abused and second-class citizens what started as very, very good became twisted and warped. And this is the primary story of which we get our definition of sin. Sins, in the plural, are all the wrong things that we do as individuals. The little crimes we commit. Sometimes we know full well we not ought to do it, and we do it anyway, like eating the apple. King David knew he shouldn't kill Uriah the Hittite, but he did it anyway. And there are some things that we ought to do that we do not do, like feeding the hungry or providing for one that is in trouble or caring for the sick. Other times we try to do what God would have us do, And be the people that God would have us be. But we get confused. Sometimes we get tripped up by our own pride. And we begin to think only of ourselves. And sometimes we get tripped up by fear. Perfectionism. And we are not fully alive. We are not the teacher or the parent or the leader that God created us to be. In Hebrew, the word for sins is hatah means missing the mark. The mark that we are aiming for, should be aiming for, is a life in sync with God. The fullness of life that God desires for us and all creation. But if we understand sin just as, simply as, the things that we do, right or wrong, as individuals, we are missing the greater story of salvation and the future that God intends. Corporate, collective sin, systemic sin, that is beyond sins committed by individuals. Sins that are built into our structures of society, like racism that reveals itself in unfair lending practices, or millions of people going to jail, or the discrimination that keeps people from being able to be married. Or the culture of violence where guns are cheap and we can stand our ground. Our earth is caught in climate change is so great we don't know who will suffer next. These are systemic. They take on a life of their own. It's what Paul in the New Testament calls the principalities and powers. And to describe this kind of sin... The Garden of Eden just does not do it. We need to know words like oppression, like bondage. We need to know that sin is a power that can keep us enslaved to powers greater than ourselves, the way the Hebrew people were enslaved by Pharaoh with forced labor and killing of children. We need words like freedom and liberation. Marcus Borg reminds us that the problem for most people in the world is not so much that they have sinned, but that they have been sinned against. And so we need that story of the Exodus as valid as the Garden of Eden We need to know what the word exile means. That being separated from home, from God. We can speak of the individual's sins in Syria. But how will the refugees come home? That requires us to think about another kind of sin. And we need. The story of the prodigal son who came home even before and was welcomed before he could even confess his sin. And we need Isaiah's and John the Baptist's way of the Lord where every valley will be filled and every mountain and hill brought low so that all flesh shall see the salvation of our Lord. The good news is that we have many words and many stories. There are as many words for salvation and stories of salvation as there are experiences of sin. Our Bible is as thick as the phone book. Let's study. Next week we'll hear more stories and more words, and we'll continue to study the vocabulary of our faith. Amen.